Welcome to That's the Spirit podcast. You're listening to Surat, Hannah and Maliha, the senior editorial team at the Soas Spirit newspaper. Let's talk news. So we released issue 10 of our newspaper a little while back. We finally hit double digits. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's just, how are you guys feeling about it's issue 10? Good. I feel like, because this is my second year on the spirit as well, to hit like number 10, it's like such a good feeling because it's like rounded number. We've like a whole 10 issues. So yeah, it's just nice to see how the spirit has grown from like last year to where we are now. And obviously now being on like senior editorial team, it's so cool to kind of like be a part of the process and then to be part of the process here when we've got to issue 10. Yeah, I'm super excited about it. And I think we had a really good issue last issue as well. So yeah. Yeah, definitely. Now that we're at 10 double digits, we should just stop there. It's a nice <laughs> round number, like you said. No, I actually, so I've only been at the spirit for this year and last year I was just a writer. But I feel like we came a long way just within the space of like our first issue to our second like our editors our our layout is way better so it's nice seeing everyone improving I think with a whole new team this year it was a bit of an adjustment period and you know moving into the 11th issue hopefully very soon yeah it's it's just it shows that our team has grown a lot Mm -hmm. and I think there's a lot of new writers a lot of new editors and layout people as well so hopefully they can take these skills into next year and shine there as well Okay, so for our first segment, this time around, we've decided to share some snippets of our favourite articles in a little dramatic reading circle. So we'll start with Maliha talking about her favourite article of this issue. Okay, so my favourite article in issue 10 was actually the manifestos made easy. I don't know if you guys saw it. It was really useful, actually, because we adapted our usual news made easy segment and where we usually break down topics, like big topics, like impeachment we've done, we've done Brexit, um, so that it's easier to understand. So since this issue was published just a few days before the general election, ah, dun, 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 um, we decided we'd got a writer to compare three major parties, so Tory, Labour and Lib Dem, uh, and they compared the manifestos on a few key areas so Brexit, foreign policy, healthcare, schools and education, the environment and the economy. So the reason why it was my favourite article, I think, was partly because I do a lot of the layout and it was really fun to edit. I basically put it out, like, used all the colours for the parties. It was super fun. And I also think... It was really useful at the time for students who maybe didn't know... A lot of the time, people know which party they like, but they don't know what they're actually voting for. So I think that's really important. And we just, like, let our students see who they're voting for. So, yeah. (laughs) Um, So my favourite article of this issue was uh, Rehab's article. So Rehab in the culture section, um, every issue she's got a column and she reviews like different films, TV shows, anything to do with kind of like pop culture. Um, So this issue, she... Um, wrote an article on Hala, which is a show that's coming out, has like came out on Apple TV. Um, And it was a really kind of annoyingly typical portrayal of like Muslim women in the media of this like teenage girl who loves skateboarding, is really quirky and really cool. And she like writes poetry, but she's like 
bound by the shackles of her hijab and her parents won't let her do anything and then this really awkward looking white boy comes and saves her and she has her first kiss and suddenly like she's been liberated and so on and so forth so Rahab kind of just goes into that whole issue and the fact that whenever Muslim women are represented in TV shows it's always like in opposition to Islam and how Islam is such an oppressive force and how you kind of need these western values and these western boys to come and like liberate you um so she just goes into a lot of detail with that um and i think obviously like being muslim myself it gets very frustrating to see the only time you're ever represented in the media is in a way that is so completely different and in opposition to your own life to the point where it's not representation at all um you can't just kind of like stick a hijab on any character and be like she's wearing a hijab this means she's muslim this means we've ticked the diversity box um so yeah rahab goes into a lot of detail about that and she she talks about how um like these kind of stories make it almost impossible for like muslims to they always have to pick between their islamic culture and their american culture and it's it's the idea that those two things are constantly battling each other and that they can't coexist and i think anyone who's muslim or part of diaspora has that kind of internal conflict all the time of like how do i battle all of these identities but for most of us we find a way for them all to work together and to coexist within all of these kind of different cultures and identities that we identify ourselves with but it seems so hard for that to be portrayed in the media um so yeah i think rahab touches on it as well but like i think when it comes to representation and when it comes to kind of writing stories about muslim and muslim women it needs to come from muslim writers and muslim directors and people who actually women who actually wear hijab um and women who actually kind of know the struggle to be able to portray these kind of stories properly so yeah i think rahab really touches on some themes that are kind of reoccurring especially in the last few years and she puts it together really well in the article so yeah that's my favorite and i think um just to do with the idea of representation there are a lot of stories to be told i think that has to be said and it's just a matter of you know there are again the muslim identity is not a monolith not mm. by any means and there are so many stories that are trying to be told and it's just a matter of which ones are being chosen to be represented because a lot of these stories have happened to real people and that's not to invalidate that experience mm. but it's the idea of okay why is this more important to tell than all of these other, yeah. these other stories also, why is this always the only story that's ever being told it's the only narrative that we ever have so my favorite article of this issue is in features and it's called top 10 things to do in a populist world by contributor rose amon savage de Brant. that's an amazing name mm-hmm. um and she just goes into, it's a bit of a satirical piece. And one of my favorite parts is where she gives advice on how to smash the dating app with minimal effort. Um, it's just a lot of sarcasm, which I'm absolutely here for. And I think it's really, it's really important to be critical of the way that our world is functioning these days in general. Um, as we were speaking about representation, we'll definitely get into that a lot more later in our second segment. And to do with being in a populist world, there's a lot of content that is constantly being streamed and constantly being bombarded in our faces. So to accept it without any second thought is a pretty dangerous thing. And I think a lot of us fall into it, myself included. Um, So this was just a nice little piece to remind us that, you know, the world goes around and we have to um, just think twice about thinking about, for example, to do with politics, This could be to do with the divisive nature of party politics and the way that this plays a role in our everyday lives. So the way that this writer has brought these aspects of, 
I guess, propaganda into the way that it affects our personal lives, i.e. dating and, you know, understanding yourself before you understand what the world wants you to be. I just think the, the author did a really good job of that. Segment two, a letter from your editors. Dear spirit readers, where are our women and people of colour writers? Sincerely, the SOAS spirit. My letter from the editor this issue touched upon the troubles we face as an editorial team in diversifying our writers and contributors. I think this was something I was really passionate about speaking about since a lot of the people that come and discuss the spirit, we will cover these topics anyway in our personal discussion. So I thought, why not use the platform to put that message out there? And since we have, I wouldn't call it an issue, but since I would say that our writers are not completely as diverse as the student body. This was something that I really wanted to encourage. And I think, you know, my editorial team with me, they completely agree. Um, Yeah, so what are your thoughts on this in terms of how how writers are represented in our paper and our editorial team? Um, Yeah, no, I think you're right, definitely in terms of writers. we, We do have a very certain demographic who always, and that being essentially just white students who are, kind of more likely to come to meetings, more likely to write and things like that. Um, And then also we did have um, an issue with, there was a student who came up to one of our news editors and said that they felt that trans issues weren't being um, highlighted enough in the newspaper, which is completely fair enough and completely true. Um, So I think what we need to try and do as an editorial team is think about how we can reach out to other kind of different communities within so us in general and kind of encourage people to write and make people feel comfortable to write and make people feel comfortable to be able to like come to meetings and things like that because obviously at brainstorm meetings people are pretty much like pitching their ideas to us and it can be quite nerve-wracking to talk in front of people's like people like um to talk in front of large groups of people if you've never done it before and especially to kind of make yourself almost vulnerable in a sense to like talk about an idea you have and then it's like oh is this right are people gonna like it blah 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 um so yeah i think definitely as an editorial team we need to think about ways in which we can can kind of make people feel comfortable in our spaces as well. I actually think this is definitely like rooted in a larger issue about who feels mm. like the right mm. to be heard. Yeah, I think definitely. especially for people of color, women, people of like certain mm. socioeconomic class, you're told that you don't have a voice. And that is silencing in the sense that not only you're not giving the certain opportunities to voice your opinions, but also you feel like you when even when you do have those opportunities, when those opportunities do present themselves to you, you feel for some reason that you can't speak. Mm. And I think that's something that at the spirit we really want to encourage everyone to come write for us because it, we're such an open space and yeah. SOAS is like one of the most open universities I think at least yeah. um, or we try to be so yeah I think it is an issue of like confidence and being able to like put yourself out there yeah. yeah I think us as an editorial team I'm not sure about you guys but I definitely faced a bit of imposter syndrome as they call it um, in understanding okay this is a position that I've been offered and I want to do it complete justice but why am I worthy of this role and how do I fulfill it to the best of my ability while creating these opportunities for other people like me to then continue to be able to be a part of this and I think the as I wrote in my letter the representation that we have the diversity that we have in our editorial team I think is what I wish to be reflected in our writers. Like we do, especially since um, after the advice that we've received from people, I think we've made a huge effort to suddenly try and include these stories to reach out to writers who can speak on these issues. Um, And that's not to say 
that any writer has to speak on issues related to them. Any writer can write about anything, but it's just a matter of, like we said, which stories are we picking up? Yeah. Which stories should be prioritized? Yeah, and I think I think what we started doing this issue, I know, um, I think it was either Will or Sasha, our News and Features editors, and there were a couple of stories that they specifically went to certain people to write because they thought this person will probably know or has the most experience or knows the most about this particular topic and therefore should write it. Um, so I think just as an editorial team, we try and keep that in mind as well. If there are, think, if there are certain issues or topics that are kind of probably more touchy and there is and there's like a certain say society that we feel like you could represent this best we try and keep that in mind so we get a, a better kind of yeah like if we can yeah take someone being able to tell their own story that's yeah. what we want to do yeah essentially it's all about just creating opportunities for people yeah. to like really voice their own narratives narratives that have been kind of push the margins or silenced yeah. yeah and I think there are generally stories that pop up every every round where we start mm. you know writing for a new issue there are generally stories going around so us that entire student body is buzzing about and that's what we hope to pick up on yeah. and I think we have a decent writer's base where as soon as we voice an issue that's you know relevant in so us mm -hmm. there's already a writer ready to ready to cover that I think another thing that I've noticed actually is I've spoken to a couple of people and they've been nervous about their actual writing abilities to which I've said we actually have a huge like very very long editing process so I guess there's also that added dynamic of it being very public you know you're writing an article and people are hopefully going to read it yeah. so I think like the best way to overcome that sort of insecurity is by just putting yourself forward and just going for it because uh, we do try and really encourage an open dialogue between our editors and our writers so if that's ever been an issue for anyone um I'm clearing up. Also, touching on that point, like I've had writers come up to me and say, like, English isn't my first language. I'm a bit insecure about my, my grammar and my writing skills. And honestly, like, it doesn't matter. As long as you're kind of getting your point across and we can understand where your narrative is going, that's what our job as editors is. Like, we're here to kind of help you with that kind of thing. If your writing was perfect, our job would be redundant. And so whether or not English is your first language or if you feel like your writing skills aren't that good, it honestly doesn't matter because like Miliha said, we have a very long editing process. We have at least three different people who read someone's work before it goes to print. So that should never be a reason why you feel like you can't write because you're worried about making mistakes. Like th that shouldn't be an issue. Yeah, like if you have something to say, we want to hear it. Essentially. Yeah. 100%. I think there's definitely been examples of when I've spoken to, like I said, writers of colour, mm. women writers, um, who have been open about their nervousness and at first I would make an effort to try and comfort them and say exactly what you guys have said that there's an extensive editing process but what I realised actually works better is telling them that there are so many other people like them yeah. so when a writer came up to me once she would say I'm not sure that my writing is good enough and I said you would be so surprised about how many women writers how many Muslim writers how many LGBT writers would come up to me like that and express their concern about you know not being able to be represented fully and that actually gave her the confidence because I said do you want to be like all these other people who have not written for the sake of nervousness and then that voice continues to be unheard or would you rather be that writer that steps up and that's actually given a lot of people the confidence yeah I think there also is this fear when you are a minority that when you speak you're speaking for your entire group you know whereas if you're coming from a more like like dominant social sphere you are taken as like an individual within that huge like majority. Mm. Um, but especially if you, when you get into like triple minorities, double minorities, <laughs> all of that, you feel like you're kind of having to 
be so perfect that nobody can criticize you yeah. mm. because criticism is so like common mm. especially at Sarah's yeah. yeah I definitely feel like yeah the need like I'm like even with this podcast like I must not say anything wrong, <laughs> yeah you know um and I think us being somewhat an established institution the spirit has been around for a number of years now um that's been both a comfort and a pressure in that we don't have to build from our voices alone but at the same time we're we're representing a much huger body of people and I think this could take us on to um, understanding that there are a lot of enterprises out there that are there for the representation of minorities for example um, we have Presspad which is a social enterprise looking to hashtag diversify the media. Um, and also another another enterprise, The Second Source, which is an alternative network for women and non-binary journalists. So I think these kind of institutions being out there is helping to solve this issue of not feeling represented and feeling unwelcome in certain circles. And we just hope that whoever wishes to write for us and maybe even pursue a career in journalism can understand that there are places out there where you are completely welcome and the SOAS spirit is definitely one of them. That's it from us at The Spirit. Um, We hope you enjoyed our podcast and we hope you tune into the next one. Make sure in the meantime to keep up to date with the latest SOAS news on our website, our social media. Our handle is at SOAS Spirit on all platforms and by joining our mailing list. Um, So thank you to everyone who contributed to the last issue and everyone who's contributing to the issue coming out soon. And we hope to see more diversity moving forward.